This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Welcome to the Hindu's In Focus podcast. I'm Zubeda Hamid, your host for today. Last month, the Lok Sabha passed a bill that was aimed at improving the ease of doing business in India. This Jan Vishwas bill, passed by the Rajya Sabha this month, brought in amendments to 42 different laws including amendments to two sections of the Drugs and Cosmetics Act 1940. These drug law changes have sparked off a controversy. Health activists have said that it essentially decriminalizes the manufacture of drugs that are not of standard quality, allowing these manufacturers to get away with a fine but no imprisonment. The quality of drugs in India has already been under scrutiny with the recent deaths of dozens of children in at least two countries Gambia and Uzbekistan being linked to contaminated cough syrups manufactured in India but while such cases of adulterated drugs can attract penal provisions the bigger problem of substandard drugs that may not work effectively on a patient potentially making the patient worse are not dealt with stringently this is a huge problem say experts as the indian pharmaceutical industry estimated to be worth about 41 billion dollars is one of the largest in the world and provides drugs to a number of developing countries how will this recent amendment affect drug laws and pharmacies in india how do drugs that are not of standard quality affect the human body what is the problem with the drug regulatory mechanism in our country we explore these questions and more with prashant reddy lawyer and co-author of the book The Truth Pill: The Myth of Drug Regulation in India. Welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast Prashant Reddy. Thank you for having me. Prashant, the Jan Vishwas bill that was passed by the Lok Sabha last month says that it aims to improve the ease of doing business with amendments to 42 different laws. But the amendments to the Drugs and Cosmetics Act have sparked a controversy. Could you explain these amendments to us? Uh, yes, Subeda. So basically, the uh, the Janvishwas bill proposes uh, making Section twenty seven D of the Drugs and Cosmetics Act a compoundable offence. Uh, so, in simple English, it basically means that uh, the existing provision, which provides for a punishment of up to two years in prison and uh, a fine of two rupees twenty thousand, will now be uh made compoundable on a payment of a fine of rupees 5 lakhs a uh, compoundable basically means that if the accused is ready to pay uh the fine the case will not go to trial and he does not have to serve any jail time so basically the bill has been pitched as a way to to decriminalize economic offenses uh, or in this case uh compoundable so in I mean the criminal punishment is still on the books but it will not be enforced in the circumstances that the penalty is paid. What exactly does this mean for uh, drug regulations in India? What category of drugs fall under this? Well, so the Drugs and Cosmetics Act uh criminalizes has four different offenses when it comes to the quality of drugs. Uh so if I can just spell them out quickly one is uh, adulterated drugs the second is spurious drugs so adulterated drugs are where some kind of foreign substance is added to a drug to you know dilute its quality uh, or something like that uh, spurious drugs are drugs which are basically what we know as counterfeit drugs right 
The third category are misbranded drugs. So this is where, you know, there are issues with the labeling, etc. The fourth category, which is covered by this Janvishwas bill, is the NSQ uh, drug, that is the not of standard quality drug. What does Indian law define as a drug not of standard quality? So Section 16 of the Drugs and Cosmetics Act basically requires, it legally mandates all drugs manufactured in India to meet certain quality standards that are specified in the second schedule to the Drugs and Cosmetics Act. So basically, they're diff- the, the second schedule recognizes different standards. Uh, the main standard that is followed in India is uh, set up is set by the Indian Pharmacopoeia Commission, which is a government body which brings out this publication every year called the Indian Pharmacopoeia. So the, the Pharmacopoeia basically is like uh, it's a rule book which prescribes the standards of quality and the manner to uh, test. Uh, different drugs. It's it, it's a annual publication which comes out by the IPC. Sorry, not annual publication. I think it comes out every few years. So basically, when you're manufacturing, when a company is manufacturing its drugs, uh, and the drug inspector tests that particular drug in a government lab, the drug needs to meet the standards specified in the pharmacopoeia. If it fails to meet that particular standard, then it is declared not of standard quality. What are the common reasons a drug fails this standard? Well, there are, there are about three common reasons that drugs fail. They can actually they can fail on an entire spectrum of issues, but uh, the three main ones are they generally lack enough active ingredient. Uh, so, for example, if uh, it's a tablet of an, you know a, a hundred mg tablet of antibiotics. There are many cases in India where the tablet will have only, say, 30 mg or 40 mg of the antibiotic. The uh, second problem generally is a failure to uh, to dissolve uh, as per the, uh, you know, the, the pharmacopoeia. So basically, when you consume, if it's a tablet, for example, the only way it works is if it dissolves properly in your body so that it can be absorbed by the you know, by the, the uh, by, by the bloodstream, basically. Uh, on the more complicated formulations, will need to dissolve at the right time in the right part of the body so that it has the maximum effect. Uh, so a lot of times, drugs in India will fail this this dissolution test, which means that the tablet will basically have no effect on the human body. Uh, the third test that is uh, that's generally a problem in India, for example, mostly with injectables, is uh, the sterility test. So injectables, you know, which are directly injected into your into the human body, they need to be extremely sterile because at the end of the day, they're entering your bloodstream directly, right, or your you know or, or the body directly. Uh, so a lot of times the problem in India is the manufacturing fe- facilities are either not sterile enough or the quality of water that is used in manufacturing is not of the the highest quality. So a lot of these injectables, when they are tested, end up demonstrating uh, the presence of certain foreign matter, which can be very dangerous uh, for the patient. So these are the three most common types of uh, uh, the three more co- most common reasons for which a drug is declared to be 
NSQ, but there are several other which are far too technical to discuss here. So Prashant, these, as you explained to us, these drugs would fall under the category of not of standard quality. The government of India issued a clarification after the Janvishwas bill was passed that said that the decriminalization or the compounding of the offense applies only to drugs not of standard quality and drugs that are spurious, adulterated or misbranded would continue to invoke penal provisions. So why does the government think that drugs not of standard quality could have lesser punishment than these other drugs? Is it because they think that they are not injurious to human bodies? Yes, so that's 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 been one of the problems in India forever. You know, even before these amendments, the government had some prosecution guidelines which uh, basically urged drug inspectors to uh, be very tough when it came to adulterated, spurious and misbranded drugs, but told them to go quite lenient when it came to NSQ drugs. Uh, that's because it appears that the industry has conveyed this perception to the government and the government has accepted it that NSQ drugs are not very dangerous to the human body. But that is a complete lie because if a drug doesn't have enough active ingredient, depending on the medical condition that it is supposed to be treating, it can end up being fatal due to its inaction. For example, let's take an antibiotic, right? If a patient has a life-threatening infection and uh, the doctor is giving him, say, 10 tablets, each 100 mg of an antibiotic, hoping that the patient gets 1,000 mg, which will cure the infection. And the patient then has, uh, the the tablet then turns out to have only 30 mg of uh, the antibiotic, right? So instead of getting 1,000 mg, the patient's going to get only 300 mg of the tablet. And that can be fatal. Even if it's not fatal, if it's a relatively healthy patient who's not facing a life-threatening infection, it will take longer for them to overcome the disease. And there's a far greater probability of antimicrobial resistance, like antibiotic, you know, the bacteria itself becoming uh, antibiotic, uh, antibiotic resistant, which is one of the, you know, big public health issues in the world today because of misuse of misuse and overuse of antibiotics. And in other cases, for example, if it's, say, diabetes medication or blood thinners or, you know, hypertension medication, if there is not enough active ingredient, it can have severe consequences for the health of the patient. And if the drug is declared NSQ because, uh, you know, it, it fails a dissolution test, that means it's going to have no effect on the patient. Similarly, if a drug is contaminated, a contaminated drug is, it can actively cause problems, you know, anything from causing an allergic reaction to uh, causing fresh infections, etc., etc. We've seen cases, for example, in the United States recently where an Indian manufactured drug was found to contain bacteria, deadly bacteria, superbug as it's called, that was resistant to all forms of antibiotics. So these are all cases that can be pretty fatal uh, to the human, uh, to the human body. So the health ministry has not been completely honest in that press release. It has played around with different words in the Drugs and Cosmetics Act and is guilty of making serious omissions in the press release. So basically it means that 
a patient with diabetes or with any other condition could be taking pills for months on end and because say they don't dissolve in the body properly the diabetes does not get better and therefore it can actually get worse right absolutely at least with diabetes uh, most patients end up checking their you know blood sugar levels quite regularly so it's possible that they may at least catch the fact that the medication isn't working what is more serious are those kind of conditions for which the patient or even for the, that matter the doctor themselves cannot directly make that linkage between the failure of the medicine and the failure of treatment that sounds extremely dangerous prashant what is the scope of this problem of drugs not of standard quality in india well you know in popular imagination when people think about uh, problems with the pharmaceutical industry they tend to think it's counterfeit drugs so politically that has been that's always been how the drug quality issue has been framed in india which is why uh, you know counterfeit drugs are punished severely under indian law but the major problem in india is actually not counterfeit drugs it is not of standard quality drugs and we think that the problem is quite massive it's very difficult to measure the extent of the problem you know because a lot of these are each their batch to batch variations etc but just to give you uh like i mean w- one way to judge uh the the you know the magnitude of the problem in the indian market is to simply speak to doctors right so in other countries doctors are more than willing to substitute uh the innovator brand of the drug that's a patented brand of the drug generally with a generic uh, version of the drug because they have confidence in the regulatory system in their country so they know that the generic drug will work as good as the original in india you speak to doctors and they one of the reasons that they insist on writing prescriptions with a specific brand name is not because they're getting money from the pharmaceutical company as is you know commonly uh, as commonly said but it's because they know from their experience that not all drugs that they have been prescribing have been having a good effect on the patients in curing the disease and through trial and error they have figured out which drugs work on patients and which don't so the moment doctors themselves lack confidence in you know prescribing any brand of medication in the market that's when you know that there is a serious quality issue in the industry talk to us a little bit prashant about regulatory mechanisms in india for drugs uh, we know of course about the drugs and cosmetics act, act 1940 uh, but what are and we all know that every state has its own uh, enforcement mechanism uh, so what are the gaps in this mechanism and why is it that so many pharmaceutical companies are allowed to get away with the manufacture of drugs not of standard quality see i mean the primary problem is governance in india is just bad right i mean it's not just drugs it's everything it's just that drugs are far more complicated <laughs> than other issues of governance the second problem is as you said every state has its own drug regulator which really complicates issues you know because 
the state drug regulator is only as competent as the rest of the state government. So, for example, better governed states like Tamil Nadu, Maharashtra, they have much better regulators compared to Bihar or, uh, say, Uttar Pradesh. Uh, And that's just generally because, you know, the government... uh, if, if, if only a government is, is well run and has enough resources, will the drug regulator be resourced well enough? So that's that's one of the main issues. The The more complicated uh, answer is that this, this entire, the way the entire system is set up, you know, when you have uh, 30, we, India basically has 37 drug regulators. So there's one for each state and union territory, and then there's the central drug regulator. But the bulk of the regulation is done by the state drug regulators. There is a very little coordination between different state, uh, you know, drug regulators. So, for example, a lot of drugs in India are manufactured in Himachal Pradesh and Uttarakhand because there used to be a tax holiday in those states. Uh, so, those drugs come down to, uh, say, Tamil Nadu. Now, the Tamil Nadu drug regulator detects that a lot of the drugs are substandard or not of standard quality. But he, the only thing he can do is initiate a criminal prosecution against those companies. He can't cancel their license. In fact, he can't even inspect their facilities without somebody from the local state drug regulator accompanying him. And when he does uh, criminally prosecute these companies, the courts are generally very, very lenient. So, for example, although the law used to say minimum imprisonment of one year and a maximum of two years, what actually happens is that most pharmaceutical companies are, uh, they get away with what is called simple imprisonment till the rising of the court, which means if the judge gets up for lunch, you're free to go. And along with that, a small fine of 20,000 or 30,000, which is a paltry amount for these companies to pay. So, I mean, these are problems with the legal structure. There are larger problems with the political economy of the pharma industry, you know, which is the fact that it's the only manufacturing success story in India and the government is very keen on growing the pharma industry because it does provide jobs, it generates a lot of uh, you know export income for India and also gives the Indian government a lot of soft power as we saw during the COVID pandemic. So the government of India is more focused on growing the regulator, uh, sorry, on growing the industry rather than balancing growth with safety and quality. For most part, what we've seen, the government just uh, swallows whatever the pharma industry tells it to do. So if a drug was found to be of substandard quality, say, like you said in your example in Tamil Nadu, the state authorities don't even have uh, the, the mechanisms to withdraw that drug from the market. They can't even do that. Well, technically, they they do write or they can put out a notice, uh, you know, to pharmacies and uh, tell and you know write to the company warning them. But India doesn't have a recall law, so to speak, you know, wherein the regulator can force the company to conduct a recall and also supervise the entire process because you need to understand drug recalls from the market. Uh, not only are they an expensive proposition for a lot of companies, it also involves serious reputational harm, right? So the most effective drug recall process is one which is publicized widely to the public. 
And that just doesn't happen in India. And the government has known about this issue since 1976. And every decade, there are one or two committees which look into the issue, but they have failed to come out with any binding system of a drug recall law. There is, There are some drug recall guidelines, but those guidelines lack the force of law, meaning that they are basically not binding on anybody. Talking a little bit about the reputational harm you pointed out a little earlier, Prashant, there have been... Uh... Uh, at least two serious cases from last year, one in Gambia and one in Uzbekistan, where drugs manufactured in India are believed to have killed uh, children in other parts of the world, specifically cough syrups. Uh, Tell us a little bit about this. This is not just not of standard quality, but actual harmful ingredients in the drugs, correct? Yes. So these uh, these drugs would be classified as adulterated drugs uh, under Indian law. So they could they could still be severely prosecuted uh, in Indian law. These particular uh, quality defects because they were these the cough syrups were basically adulterated with diethylene glycol, which is an antifreeze agent. Uh, so it would be classified as adulterated and it could be uh, punished under the law. I wanted to ask: Has that happened? Have we seen uh, prosecutions of cases of adulterated drugs with severe punishments in India? Uh, not to my knowledge, you know. So, for example, one of the famous uh, drug uh, coughs, uh, like drug adulteration cases, it wasn't cough syrup; it was a different drug. In uh, 1988, at JJ Hospital uh, in Bombay, uh, 14 patients died. Basically, it was a different drug, but there was still uh, DEG contamination. That case, the prosecution was not over even until last year. That is more than 34 years later. The prosecution was just dragging on through the trial courts. The, The legal system basically isn't very efficient in dealing with this. There was another case in, uh, in, you know, in Jammu, which took place in, uh, December 2019, January 2020, where 12 children died in uh, Ramnagar district of Jammu because of adulterated cough syrup. Uh, About two years later, we discovered that the police had finally, the Jammu police had filed a prosecution, a criminal prosecution under, I think, the IPC. The drug regulators themselves didn't do it. So, yes, some of these cases are prosecuted, but uh, we really haven't seen any uh, you know, uh, stiff sentences being handed out by the courts. Prashant, talk to us a little bit about uh, how, uh, let's go back a little bit to the Jan Vishwas bill and the amendment to the Drugs and Cosmetics Act. Tell us how this is going to affect uh, uh, affect the situation on the ground when you actually go to a pharmacy and buy a drug. How How does this affect the regulation of pharmacies as well? So Section 27D, that we were discussing earlier, the push for de- for making it a compoundable offense, offense came basically from the pharmaceutical industry. But what the ministry, uh, the health ministry appears to have missed is that Section 27D, apart from, provide, from uh, prescribing the punishment for not of standard quality drugs, is also the provision that prescribes punishments for pharmacies that are violating the terms of their license. So, for example, to get a, a, a license to run a pharmacy, 
you need to adhere to several conditions. So, for example, you need to ensure that your pharmacy is run by a registered pharmacist. Uh, you need to ensure that you maintain uh, purchase records and sales records very accurately because that helps uh, establishing you know, the supply chain for the drug, which is very important. You need to ensure that you sell drugs, prescription drugs, only on the supply of a prescription so as to prevent prescription abuse. You need to ensure that you reasonably uh, you store drugs in reasonable conditions. Uh, so there are a whole bunch of these conditions for which, if they are violated, can seriously have an effect on public health. You know, for example, either if a drug is not stored properly, it will degrade, especially in a country like India, which is so you know a lot of places are hot and humid. Uh, if uh, you know drugs are issued without prescriptions. It can lead to prescription abuse, addiction, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there are a lot of uh, severe public health issues that are implicated in the running of pharmacies. And as we know, pharmacies in India are already very poorly regulated. So it is quite surprising then that the government has made even the violation of uh, these con- the license conditions of a pharmacy a compoundable offense, which means that a pharmacy has to agree to pay up a fine of 5 lakhs and it can escape prosecution even if, you know, it has failed to store drugs which have then degraded and been given to patients, etc., etc. And and this has missed, uh, it's not gotten much attention even in in the media and press because the focus has been entirely on the pharmaceutical industry and the consequences for NSQ drugs. That is a scary prospect. Uh, just wrapping up, Prashant, talk to us a little bit about now the Drugs and Cosmetics Act is from 1940. Uh, last year in July, there was a, a move by the health ministry to introduce a, a, a newer version of this act. What happened to that legislation? Well, there was a rumor that, not rumor actually, there was a government uh, a press release which indicated that this bill would be introduced in Parliament this session uh, for voting. But uh, that has not happened so far. We don't know if it's still on the cards. The problem with that bill is that it is mostly a copy of the old Drugs and Cosmetics Act uh, with the addition of medical devices uh, to the Act. And it doesn't fundamentally change the, the nature of drug regulation in India. It does not attack the structural issues with drug regulation. Because one of our major demands has been to make drug regulation a lot more transparent in India. right? It, to be, make, basically make it more democratic in the sense that it should be more transparent. And it needs to give... Uh, citizens and doctors a chance to participate in the drug regulatory process. Because right now, the way drug regulation works in India is that it's a compact between the industry and the bureaucracy. And we as patients or doctors, as you know, uh, the people who are prescribing drugs are completely excluded from the process. We don't have access to information. There is no avenue for us to participate in major regulatory decisions taken by uh, the drug regulator. And this is completely unlike 
uh, you know, many other democracies where drug regulation is, uh, is, is quite transparent and there are avenues for citizens to participate in the entire process. Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Prashant. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.